Help, Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. Everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips, but harbor deception in their hearts. May the Lord silence all flattering lips and every boastful tongue. Those who say, by our tongues we will prevail, our own lips will defend us. Who is Lord over us? Because the poor are plundered and the needy groan. I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. You, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever from the wicked, who freely strut about when what is vile is honored by the human race. This is the word of God. Uh, before we begin, let's open in a word of prayer uh, and just realign our hearts to God as we come before Him uh, as we look at His Word this morning. Uh, let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time that we can spend together uh, declaring Your name in song and praise and in worship. Uh, and may it be just a reflection of our hearts and of our lives. Um, and maybe we're not there yet, uh, but help, it, help us to, to be stirred and reminded of why we, we should long to praise and worship you. Whether that's in the way we sing, in the way we speak to one another, in what we give in return to you, Lord, from what you've given to us. And Lord, I pray that as we dig into your word also this morning that it may strip away the layers in our hearts that are preventing us from maybe coming to you more honestly and seeking you more desperately. So Lord, I pray that you open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. We're busy working our way through the holiday sections, which is the Psalms, and we're up to Psalm 12 now. Last week was Psalm 11, Psalm 12 this morning. Um, Psalms are a peculiar thing. I don't know who of you read the Psalm now, or as you were listening to the Psalm this morning, uh, something was resonating in you. Maybe you felt that this was something familiar to you. Uh, maybe you were sitting there thinking, hmm. This sounds like a psalm that was written personally or more specifically for South Africa and where we are at. If you listen to the language of the psalm and the nature of the psalm and what it's saying, looking to people that are lifted up, their, their voice seems to be echoing within the community, but one of pride. Uh, there's language of pride that comes through. There's lies that come through. There's flattery of the lips uh, harboring deception in the hearts. They seem to be strange, but things that are common for us, maybe. Maybe you don't feel like it's about our country. Maybe you feel like it's something that's personal to you. 
<clears throat> Maybe as you heard the psalm this morning, you're thinking about the person that lives next door to you that still owes you a cup of sugar after they borrowed one two weeks ago. Who knows? Perhaps you are reading this in a slightly different way and you're thinking about how this is something personal to you. Psalms can do that. As we work through the Psalms, you will see that there is a way in which the Psalms can have a personal, very close to the heart kind of way of speaking, but it can also have a great community nature about it, community language, if you like. In this case, and in most cases, the Psalms are both. The Psalms speak to both the heart of an individual, but also corporately. So that's why it's good for us to work through the Psalms together as a church, because there are challenges, there are reminders, there are rebukes, there are encouragements for us that we can learn from them and how we can grow. This morning, however, we are looking at Psalm 12 that is looking, obviously, in a community kind of context, um, and this really will stir us up. Maybe it will stir you in a good way, and I hope so, uh, but maybe it will leave you feeling a little bit uncomfortable at times. It depends where you are at. So let's begin. The start of this psalm, um, we're going to look at the first section, just the first two words in actual fact. It says, help, Lord. Help, Lord. Now maybe you skim over that really quickly. Uh, it seems like it's an introduction to a psalm, and so you kind of just read past it. But we need to pause at that point, because often the way a psalm starts is the tone, it's the heart, and it's the way in which the psalm is unfolding. And so the psalm of David is beginning in this way where he's crying out, he is saying, help, Lord. It's telling us that what we are about to read is packed with a number of issues. There are problems at, at play here. There are things that need resolving. And so the psalmist is calling out for help. Maybe your version that you have uses a different word. Maybe it's salvation. Maybe he's crying out, save me or save us, Lord. And this is the nature, this is the tone of the psalm. It is a psalm that is calling out for the Lord's help. Make sense so far? This simple little beginning, but something that we can't look past. Help, Lord. Often this is the, the very way in which we pray. You might not realize it, but maybe often when you close your eyes and you have your little refrain, Heavenly Father, what follows that? Help me. Help me in what? Help me in my struggles in this week. Help me to think more clearly about who you are. Help me to love my neighbor. Help me to fill in the rest. We have a way in which we pray, and often this is part of what we pray. There is a help refrain in our prayers. And the psalmist, he is doing the same here where he's lining it up and he is telling us that there is something that needs help. So what is it? What is it that needs help? Well, in fact, in fact, the psalmist gives us a twofold situation. There's two issues at play here. There's two things that he is calling out for help for. <clears throat> the one is help against the proud. Help against those that are, as he begins by saying, 
faithless or those that are disloyal. But then he is also calling out for help for those in need. And as we work through the psalm, hopefully you'll see that there's this, these two groupings in one sense of people that the psalm seems to be highlighting. <clears throat> so let's look there. Verse 1 to 4. We'll read that section. Help, Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. Everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips, but harbor deception in their hearts. May the Lord silence all flattering lips and every boastful tongue. Those who say, by our tongues we will prevail, our own lips will defend us. Who is Lord over us? And I'm just stopping us there, because this seems to be a massive piece of the the type of person that he's talking about, this proud person that gets highlighted here. The words, just if you want to pick up again, it says, no one is faithful, uh, the loyal have vanished, everyone lies to their neighbor, flattering lips, deceptive hearts, and boastfulness and pride come through in this first section. It's not to say that the rest of the psalm don't highlight similar things, but this is the first problem. The first plea for help is against these people. These people who are around him. These people who surround everybody. And for a moment you can close your eyes and you can contemplate about that and you can think, where have you felt like this? Where you are, whether you're at home or in the workplace or whether you're just driving on the road, feel this way. That this world around you seems to be like that. No one is faithful anymore. No one is loyal. Your neighbor lies to you. There's flattery on lips, but deception in hearts. And there's this proud, boastful arrogance in people's words. So proud and so boastful that they will say, who is Lord over us? Or maybe you see the other side of the, the psalm from verses 5 to 8. You pick up a different tone. You hear another person being spoken about. Because the poor are plundered and the needy groan. I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. And the word of the Lord, the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. You, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever from the wicked, who freely strut about when what is vile is honored by the human race. And these are strong words. But in light of these strong words, there's those that are inflicted by these words. There are these people that are inflicted by the wicked. So you see the, the nature of this problem continues. It's not just the proud, the wicked, the, these evildoers. But there are those that are in need, suffering at the hands of them. The needy or the poor, they are plundered, they groan, they need protection, they need safety. And so we get the other side of this picture that the psalmist is painting. And maybe that's how you read the psalm. Maybe at first glance that's how it feels. 
there's this contrast between the proud, the evil, the wicked, those that do what is wrong, those that have flattery on their lips. And maybe you read that in light of those that are in need, that are poor. And so maybe this seems like a psalm for South Africa. Maybe it seems like a psalm for you. Depends how you are looking at it. It's not to say that the psalmist isn't thinking about what's happening in the world. In fact, this whole psalm is informed by what's happening around him. The psalmist is painting a picture that for us today we can relate to still. The psalmist has painted a picture of brokenness, of deception, of sinfulness, of pride, but of hurting, of suffering, of uncertainty. And the psalmist is painting a picture that we don't need to go far to see. We can look around amongst us this morning and probably relate to it. Or we can just step outside the door this morning and see it. It's not a unique psalm in the sense that it's not for a specific person. It is for everybody. It is for all people that are living in this world. Whether they are the culprits or whether they are the victims, we are written into the psalm. We are fallen, we are broken, we are hurting. And so the psalm gives it away. Who of you have noticed how the psalmist begins after he says, Help, Lord? Let's turn back there and consider the words that the psalmist says. He says, Help, Lord, for no one is faithful. So maybe you were categorizing yourself. Maybe you put yourself in one of the categories. The psalmist says that no one is faithful. Maybe that's not good enough. Verse 2, how does he begin? Everyone lies to their neighbor. We're all guilty. It's a frightening thing when you start thinking about it. And the psalm has been written in a way that at first glance you are going to put yourself in one or the other category. Either you're the victim or you're the villain. But the psalmist is is villainizing us all. The psalmist is saying that no one is faithful. And we know that scripture tells us that. No one is faithful, not even one. And here we are reminded again that no one is faithful. But yet there is something that's happening here. There are those amongst the unfaithful that will still go forward and say in the end of verse 4, who is Lord over us? In the unfaithful, among the, the, the ones that lie, which is all of us, there are still those that will go one step further and think that they are right. By our tongues we will prevail, they say. Our own lips will defend us. Who is Lord over us? We don't need God. We don't need the Lord. We'll sort ourselves out. 
And so this psalm takes another step down and becomes a little bit closer to the heart. And what group do you put yourself in? See, the psalmist is wanting us to reflect on our own hearts here. The psalmist is really trying to get us to sit down for a moment and contemplate what is happening in my heart. Who of you do that on a weekly basis or a day-to-day basis where you sit down and you contemplate what's happening in your heart? Take a moment. Take a, take a moment and close your eyes so you don't see the person next to you and think about this. As you heard the psalm, what were you hearing? As you were listening to the psalm being read for the first time, how were you feeling? As you were listening to the psalm, what was your initial thought? Did you, did you see the proud person? Did you see the poor person? Did you put yourself in one of those categories? What's happening in your heart? You can open your eyes. We need to take moments to contemplate, to weigh up. What are we doing in our hearts? What are we thinking? And the psalm is a revealing one. Because he both reveals the reality of life, that we are in a broken world, that everybody actually fails, and yet some want to heighten themselves above that. But yet what he also does is he reminds the reader, he reminds the hearer that it's not about you. It's not about you. If you think you can decide how to prevail in this world, or if you think that your own lips can defend you at the end of this age, or if you think that you don't need God, well then unfortunately you're going to find out that it was never about you. Or maybe you're in the other camp. Maybe you realize that there is no one faithful and you are included in that. Or maybe you realize that everyone lies and that is you too. And maybe, maybe you realize that you are either physically poor or spiritually poor or in need in other areas that you've never considered before. And you will realize that it's not about you. The psalmist reveals to us in this psalm that it isn't about him and it isn't about his opinion and it isn't about his judgment on the world. So maybe you've read this psalm and you thought, this is a psalm that so-and-so needs to hear. Or, oh, how I wish that the people in high places, the government or my boss, could hear this psalm. Maybe some of you are thinking more closer to home. But the psalmist, again, gives away what he's doing. Look at his response in verse 3. The psalmist doesn't turn and say, I will stand up and I will voice my opinion and I will tell the people what I think. No, his response is this. May the Lord silence all flattering lips and every boastful tongue. May the Lord do it, not me. 
May the Lord silence all flattering lips. If that's not enough, the psalmist goes further. In verse 5, he paints a picture. He says, because the poor are plundered and the needy groan, I will now arise. He's not talking about himself. He's talking about God. He says, I will now arise, says the Lord. The psalmist understands that it's not his place to take the role of God. It's not his place to judge what is on the lips of people. It's not his place to try and solve the world's problems. Because it is the Lord that will ultimately do it. It's not to say that we neglect and reject, but he is pointing to the reality that ultimately it is only God that can save. It is only God that can silence. Verse 7, You, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever from the wicked. He says that because he realizes that he is part of them. Him being flawed and broken, he is part of the problem. He, like everybody else, needs the Lord. And so the psalmist really and truly does turn everything on its head. As we look at the psalm, we, we want to think on a human level, thinking about the victim and the villain. But instead, the psalmist turns it around and says, there may be a victim and a villain, but there is a sovereign Lord. And do you recognize him? There is only one true God. And he will both silence the lips of the proud, but he will also protect the needy. He will stand up for those that can't stand up for themselves, but he will bring down to size those that think they are bigger than he is. If, that's, if those words aren't clear enough, I'll turn back for us. I'll read it for us. But 1 Samuel 2, verse 2 to 3, this is Hannah's prayer. And we looked at it some time ago, and in the near future we'll look at it again. But listen to these words. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed. So this is encaptured in this psalm that we're looking at this morning in one sense. Because it reminds us that God is the God who will judge. God is the God who will rise up and bring down. He will lift up those that are in need, but he will bring down that, those that are far too proud. And so maybe you have something resonating in your heart this morning. Maybe you're thinking about something. Maybe there is a question that we need to ask ourselves. Or maybe there is a statement that we need to proclaim. Maybe that is, who is Lord over us? For the proud, they were making a statement in their question. As they asked this question, it is actually coming from a place of pride. 
saying that in actual fact there is no one who is Lord over us. But perhaps we have to ask ourselves that question. Truthfully ask yourself that question. Is there someone, something, or even yourself that thinks that he or she is Lord over their own lives? Because that place is only for God. Who is Lord over us? Well, the psalm doesn't stop there. Yes, it ends at the end of verse 8. But for us today, we have more to think about, more to weigh up, more to consider as we consider the psalm. And as we come to concluding, we need to conclude it with Christ. Because this psalm isn't one of entire loss. It is not one of entire rebuke. But it can also be a psalm of hope. Colossians 3, verse 5. I'll read for us. Paul writes, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to our earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. This this passage here in Colossians seems to continue with this idea of Psalm 12. Saying, okay, this is the issue. The psalmist cries out to God and saying the needy are needing protection, needing safety from the Lord. And this is what it looks like. That we need to put an end to that in our lives and turn to God. Listen to the last verse here. In Colossians 3 verse 11, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scathian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. It comes back to Christ. The answer is Christ. There's nothing that you can say and do. In actual fact, it's the reversal of that. It's putting off. Putting off who you once were. Laying aside what you once endeavored to hold on to. Giving up your fight and turning to the Lord who has done it for you through Jesus Christ. See, because Jesus Christ breaks down all the barriers that we want to put up. He takes down the barriers of victims and villains. He takes down the the barriers of the proud and the poor. And what he leaves is a reminder that we need to put to death our old ways, our old lives, our old thinking, and turn to Christ and recognize that He has saved. Because He is the one that can save, but He is also the one that can silence. 
And we, two weeks ago, we finished uh, Luke. It is one of those times when you get to the end of one of the Gospels and you really wonder what was going through the minds of those that were jeering and laughing and mocking Jesus at the foot of the cross to find out that three days later he had risen again. Because the very proud person in that story was silenced by the reality of his resurrection. So who is Lord over us? Can you answer that question for yourself? Maybe it's something that you need to ask yourself regularly in the week as you go. Maybe you're putting something else above God. Who or what is Lord over us? And I hope that that answer will always be Jesus. 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 Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the psalm that gets us to really consider who you are as Lord over our lives and what you've done for us through your son Jesus Christ. Like your psalm, like the psalm has said, there is no one that is faithful anymore. Everyone lies to their neighbor. But Lord, you are the one that both silences and protects. So Lord, maybe we are sitting here with hearts that haven't put you where you belong in our lives. May you take a moment to confess that, but also a moment to open our hearts up to you. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us where we think we can do life in our own way, in our own ability, and exclude you from it. Because we your creatures and your creation can't separate ourselves from our Creator. It's impossible. So Lord, help us to turn to you once more. Turn to you to seek your life that you offer through your Son, Jesus Christ. That you have provided both safety and protection in your Son, Something that can't be taken away in this world where there may be plenty and plenty of hardships, of deceitfulness, of lies, of maligning. Lord, help us. Help us. Help us to know that your Son, Jesus Christ, is our Savior. And we thank you for the answer to this prayer, to the psalm. Those two simple words in the beginning. Help, Lord. You have answered. And that answer is Jesus Christ. Your son has stripped away every barrier, every boundary, and that we can come freely to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.